0: Oh, my. Who, who are you, little man with gray hair and a quill pen in your hand and sitting on an old wooden stool with a great big heavy volume that says, Dr. History?
1: Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great, my friend.
1: Good, good. It's been nice to see a little snow come this past week.
0: Oh, my. Wasn't that something, though, that we had right here at my place, probably pretty close to nine inches one day, and the next day we had 27 inches of water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that all soaks
0: in. That's good for the farmers. There you go. Yeah. Well, well now, our favorite program segment, Dr. History, in all of his glory, what are you going to inform us about today?
1: Well, there's a famous Indian chief. Mm Mm-hmm. And his name is also associated with jumping out of airplanes. Parachute? Yes. Can you guess? Uh,
0: chief Parachute. I don't remember reading about him. How about How about Geronimo? Oh, oh man, I, I'm really foggy this morning. I thought, well, Chief
1: Parachute. Yes, siree. He okay. he was quite a chief. I, I, I thought you'd catch that right off of the bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about, uh, and this is uh, a story that starts out. I was kidnapped by Geronimo. Oh, and so. But I'm going to give you a little background on Geronimo. Um, I mean, he was a legend, you know, in the old frontier. He was uh, the Apache leader, uh, Geronimo. He was born in 1829 in Mexico. He was a naturally gifted hunter, and the story goes that when he was a boy, he actually ate or swallowed the heart of his first kill in order to ensure a life of of success on the chase. And... Being on the run certainly defined Geronimo's way of life, and Mm -hmm. we'll get into a little bit about that, but he actually belonged to the smallest band within the Chiricahua tribe, and they numbered, you know, only about 8,000, but the Apaches were surrounded by enemies, not just the Mexicans, but uh, other tribes, including the Navajos, the Comanches, and so... As he grew up, and their tribe raiding their neighbors was just a part of the Apache life. That's mm-hmm. what they did mm-hmm. to maintain their, their way of life. So, But in response, the Mexican government actually put a bounty on Apache Indians, offering as much as $25 for a, even a child's scalp, which... You know, it seems a little gruesome.
0: It seems more than gruesome, but i got a question for you, O omnipotent one that knows all. How did they tell who was who back in the old days? As far as scalps? No, as far as Navajo or Apache or what?
1: Well, you know, they were very adept at being able to tell, even by the arrows... And the dress and a lot of the things like that, as to which tribe they came from. I see. And I really can't tell you what those things were, but but uh, they could pretty well tell uh, just uh, for example, like Jeremiah Johnson uh, or John Johnson. he knew that it was a crow hunting party mm-hmm. that had killed his wife. I see. so but anyway, at the age of seventeen, Geronimo had already led uh, successful raiding operations. Uh, now about this time Geronimo fell in love with a woman Uh, her name was Alape, and they married and they had three children and then tragedy struck uh, while he was out on a trading trip uh, some Mexican soldiers attacked his camp and anyway the word came back to to these Apache men They quietly came back that night and Geronimo returned home where he found his wife his mother and three children all dead Mm. And this is kind of what uh, kicked him off into, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it really obviously affected him pretty bad. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to tell this story in first person because that's the way it is written and written down mm-hmm. uh, by the guy that this happened to. So I'm going to be saying this in the per- first person, all right? Okay. Okay, this young boy, he says, I was hurting my father's calves in Mexico and I was snatched from the prairie grass and thrust in front of Geronimo on his spotted pony. Mm. He said it all happened so fast that summer day in 1869 that I did not have time to heed the warning that my mother had given to me she said run like the wind when and if you hear a coyote do not stop for calves or anything else just run for home. Now he says I knew that Geronimo could imitate a coyote so well That even a coyote wouldn't know the difference. But this time he fooled me, and when I heard the calling of the crows, I was not prepared for Geronimo, who had been raiding into Mexico ever since the Mexicans had, uh, again, killed his wife and children. So here he says, I was a boy of nine years of age. I was a small Indian boy, paying for something that the Mexicans did before I was even born. So, Sid, it was, a dark, uh, it was dark without a moon when we rested and ate food that my captor provided, tortillas and frijoles uh, from a tall tin can. I was tired, and I was worried about what my mother would be thinking or doing. My father uh, would be more worried about the ten calves that would be missing. So, obviously, his dad wasn't too concerned about the boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said there was a breeze, and Geronimo wrapped a red blanket around me. He said I slept. Uh, But I was waking very early and told to hurry as the sun would be hot before long. He says, I choked down another cold tortilla and was helped upon Geronimo's pony again. Well, when daylight came, I was out of my small world into strange country, and I was uh, in the area that is now the state of Arizona. So the sun, and obviously you know what kind of weather there is there. Um, You know, he said the sun was hot. We rested many times. We had plenty of water, plenty of food. He said, I saw the big chief staring at me continuously. Now, if you're a nine-year-old boy and you hear about Geronimo and he's staring at you, that could make it a little uneasy.
0: Well, now, let me interrupt. Okay. Uh, I'm 66, and if I saw Geronimo staring at me, it would make me very uneasy.
1: (laughs) Well, given his reputation, but I think we're going to see a different side of Geronimo right here. Oh, okay. So, now, Geronimo went to the boy, and he said... You know, he says, it's difficult to tell the difference among the people of Mexico, he said. There are the Mayas, the Opatayas, and the mixed ones, those with the Spanish in their veins, which, he says, which one are you? And he says, I guess that all Indians know their tribe, and I told him that I was Opatay. and I, uh, I hope that it was his date to, to like that particular tribe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the great Geronimo did a funny little dance that night, as he had promised me he would, if the moon would shine. Well, there was a campfire, and I listened to the Braves tell stories before everybody fell asleep. And he said, I saw many head of cows, calves, and ponies being driven ahead of us, and I tried to make out those of my father, but I couldn't. Uh, So again, this was a raiding party. Well, Geronimo shook me gently the next morning, and I knew that we were entering his camp. Uh, It was dark. He knew that he was wanted by the soldiers of the United States for his numerous raids. Uh, He had been in and out of uh, prison uh, for years, but he was not afraid. Uh, This first night, he said, I slept beside him on the red blanket. I heard him say a prayer to the high power. I knew then that he was not bad. Uh, He took my hand and told me to not be afraid. This made me feel better, and I slept after saying a prayer myself. Mm
2: -hmm. Again,
1: keep in mind, this is just a nine-year-old boy. So one month or so after I had been taken, I was called to the chief. And he began by calling me El Cativo, and I wondered what he wanted with me. Cativo, he said, do you know what embers are? I answered him once, yes, chief, I know what they are. Do you know that in order to be brave and courageous that you must be tried by fire? Uh-oh. Okay, so I think you know what's coming. Yep, well, somebody's going to have a... I was fearful, uh-huh. and Geronimo said, now you are full of fear, he said, but anger will replace fear after the trial by fire. He says, I did not grasp what he meant as he kept talking to me. When he left me, he patted my arm, and I knew that he liked me. Well, in about three days more, after the talk of the embers, I was called to him, and he said, I hate to hurt you, Cativo. He began, but what is about to happen will make a brave man of you, mm. and he tried to smile.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he said, I was joined by about ten of the boys, and now I was about to be tried by fire. I was sick, and I wanted to run anywhere. He said, the sight that confronted me made me quake. I watched the others and saw that they were also afraid. Then we were forced by the Braves to walk on glowing embers of fire.
0: (laughs) Oh!
1: You know, you hear about this in modern day, but I don't think it's the same thing.
0: How in the world can I ever complain about getting up at night in the middle of the dark and stubbing my toe on the end of the bed when this kid had to walk
1: on... Oh, that's... I can't believe it. So he he goes on, he says, I shall never forget that terrible day. He said the fire was down in a pit. After several minutes of racing over the inferno, many boys fainted, obviously, from the pain. And these were hurried to the squaws who were waiting with herbs to treat the burns. Wait a
0: minute. How many times did they have to run across this?
1: Well, it doesn't say. It says after several minutes, which, you know, I'm thinking 10 seconds would be plenty. Yeah, but you see,
0: I'm on crutches. And I will guarantee you that if I was forced to walk across a glowing embers, you couldn't catch me, history.
1: (laughs) You wouldn't need your crutches. (laughs) But he said I was suffering horribly. But I found that I was the only one left who had not fainted. Oh, boy. And he said, then I was lifted out by Geronimo and rushed to a woman named Snake Woman, who was a squaw with great powers. And Geronimo told her, he said, ease his pain at once. Uh, And by some strange miracle, she did. He says, my feet were dipped in a pottery bowl full of cool liquid. And all pain stopped instantly. Yeah, but wait
0: a minute. The kid probably couldn't walk for seven months.
1: (laughs) Well, it says, I was never to learn the contents of the dish of the snake woman. Uh, He said, although I had scars, he said, I suffered little from the burns. Holy cow. So, you know, and I'm guessing they probably had aloe vera. And that's just my own guess when they talk about herbs to treat burns. Well, they do drive up to Idaho Falls and buy some. (laughs) Well, you know, down there in Arizona, (laughs) uh, uh, aloe vera just grows wild.
0: Holy smoker. I'm
1: betting that they had a liquid with probably cold water, aloe vera. I'm just guessing. So.
0: Well, I mean, you take the whole story. I mean, like you go to Snake Woman and she'll treat you. Snake Woman, treat me after I've had my feet
1: burned. This whole story
0: is leaving me cold.
1: Well, and I'm I guess I'm assuming also that Geronimo knew the Snake Woman was the best at treating burns. Uh huh. And obviously that's why he took took him to her. So anyway, after that, uh, he said we were forever he- hearing talk in Geronimo's camp about the soldiers of the United States. Geronimo warned us several times. He says, I shall be taken away for good one of these days, but between now and then, I shall continue to raid, raid, and raid again. Well, the young boy, he says, I lived as any Apache lived. I was one of them because I had been through the blood brother right. That's what they called that. Mm-hmm. So in 1880, when I was 20 years old, I was with Geronimo when he was taken prisoner. Well, he says it wasn't long till he was back with us, but Uh, again one of the most wanted of all Indians and this went on and on and he said I saw him come with wounds that would have killed a lesser man well he was captured several times but always managed to make his escape now uh, by this time he says I was 25 years of age I found myself in love with an Apache maiden named Katia her father liked me and now that I was a blood brother and gave her to me gratefully and he says, I think that the real reason was that Geronimo spoke a good word for me, but two days before we were to be husband and wife, she complained of a violent headache. Then she got a high fever. She had one of uh, what he refers to as the white man's illnesses. She was dead in a week. Oh, my. And that was the year 1885. Uh, uh, he says, I was brokenhearted, and Geronimo comforted me. And, of course, he could relate. He says, I, too, lost my, you know, my wife and my kids. And... Uh, said, all men suffer in one way or another. Well, he says, I went with Geronimo on his last big raid into Mexico. And at this point, he says, I was full of anger at white men and their fevers and their diseases uh, that we had never heard of before. And he says, I was full of anger at the Mexicans because they had killed the family of Geronimo. So he says, I went with him and helped to avenge my chief. This raid was the last big raid into that country. Hmm. Now, by this time, everybody was looking for Geronimo, but he was really not captured until 1886 when, finding his, himself surrounded, uh, he surrendered to General Miles. Well, by this time, Geronimo was sent to a fort in Oklahoma called Fort Sill, and uh, he states that he was a model prisoner. But uh, And I could go on about Geronimo, but I'm going to finish about the young boy now. Okay. Uh, he says... So something held me to these Apaches. I loved them. They were a good people. I guessed that I would always be among them. I was a member of the Chiricahuas and would always be. But he said, time seemed to go rapidly. I thought of my mother and my father, who hadn't you know, hadn't seen them since he was nine years old. Well, in 1909, when I heard of Geronimo was dead, he said, uh, and Geronimo was 80 years old when he died. Um, uh, even though he hadn't been on the reservation, his presence was always felt. Well, he says, my whole outlook changed. I would return to Sonora, back to the little village uh, where he had come from. He says, I said goodbye to all my brothers, and uh, this was in 1910. I carried with me my scalping knife, uh, Katia's beads, and three Indian blankets.
2: Mm.
1: Well, he rode into Sonora, and he said, I was tired and worn. He said, the village looked exactly like it was when he had left it, when he was kidnapped, when he was nine years old. He got off his horse, his horse drank some water, and he asked an old man, he said about his parents. Well, the guy said, well, they're over there in that same hogan where you grew up till you were nine. So he drove over there, he stopped and tied up his horse, and uh, he uh, walked into the hogan, and he heard some noise inside, and he walked in, and he said, you know, in Spanish, mi madre, mi padre, and uh, anyway, they walked, they were old now, they had white hair, walked up to him and kissed and hugged him and they wept and laughed at the same time and of course his dad I thought this was interesting. He said, What what happened to my what happened to my cow? I knew it You <laughs> know, uh, hey, aren't you curious about me? You know, you're, and here you word here fifteen, twenty years later about your darn cow. <laughs> thought that was funny. But anyway he became the captain of the, he says of the captain de policia, which I'm assuming means uh, of this little village, which sure. I mean I'm assuming means the police chief of that little village.
2: Yeah.
1: So, but he said later, you know, when he'd be around people and they'd talk about Geronimo's last big raid in Mexico, he said he never said anything, but no one ever knew that he was part of that last big raid into Mexico.
0: Now how much of this, when you relate this story, do you think has been preserved by truth or enhanced by fiction?
1: Okay, let me let me just read this at the beginning. It says Manuel M and I'm gonna butcher these names, Manuel M. Cahius as the grand nephew of the subject of this story, lived near him for many years and knew him well. His uncle, Octavenio Cus, asked Manuel to write down the story, he did. And it is related here as nearly as possible as Octavanio told it. Oh, my. No. So, to me, this is... As good as it gets as far as accuracy uh-huh. uh, in what really happened. Now, Geronimo, when you see pictures of Geronimo,
0: uh, and I've got many of them uh, in my office, as a matter of fact, he was not a very uh, good looking dude to the point where you even think a smile crossed his face. He looked just absolutely rugged,
1: haggard, and mean. Oh, yeah, he did. And. You know, and and he had a rough life. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the United States Army was after him, the Mexican Army was after him, uh, you know, besides the other tribes that were also after the Apaches. You know, and uh, it was just a a life of survival. Well, let me
0: ask you this question then. Uh, Cochise, according to history, wasn't uh, Cochise at the same time with Geronimo and there was a battle for
1: power as to who really was going to lead the Cherikawas? Okay. Cochise Cochise was Geronimo's father-in-law. Ah. Okay. And uh, actually... uh, uh, you know uh, like I say, Geronimo's father-in-law Cochise he could kind of see where the future was headed and in an act that kind of greatly disappointed his son-in-law Geronimo Cochise actually called a halt to this decade-long war with the Americans and he actually agreed to the establishment of a reservation for his people mm-hmm. uh, on some of the Apache property but within just a few short years Cochise died and the government as typically happens they reneged on this agreement right and they moved the Chiricahua north so that settlers could move into these the, the good land.
0: Now you so, remember the television series that depicted the story of Cochise and the reservation and the Indian agent that uh, tried to work it out. Remember the TV series called Broken Arrow. Oh, yeah. Uh Remember, that was all about Cochise. And I remember certain excerpts of that, I don't know how close to history they were, to where Cochise and Geronimo had a lot of uh, arguments as to how to treat the white man.
1: And and that's, uh, you know, just what little I've read here, I I think that could have definitely taken place uh, to some degree. You know how much do you fa- do you argue with your father in law? <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, you still got to live with the guy. He's your father in law. Yeah. So, you know, there may have been some disagreements, but. Uh, uh, well, it sounds to
0: me like the personality of Geronimo, and I think a lot of times in history, regardless of whether it's an Indian story or whether it's a story about mountain men or if it's a story about bank robbers, it doesn't make any difference, there was another side to their personalities, kind of like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. There's a good example. They really, uh, when people met them, they liked them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a kindness about a lot of these guys now some of them were downright rotten there's no question Yeah. but some of them were definitely had a you know a soft heart uh, and uh, especially for somebody who was down and out uh, you know uh, so you're right Geronimo um, you know to me he was a good guy he was In a lot of respects, he just was living the life he'd lived for years and years, Mm -hmm. from generation to generation.
0: Wasn't he taken all the way, quickly, I'm almost out of time, but wasn't he taken all the way to Florida, or am I wrong on that?
1: Uh, He died in Fort, let's see, um, according to my notes, he actually died, I think, at Fort Sill.
0: In Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and
1: uh, his health was bad, and uh, as I recall, he was thrown off a horse. Mm Mm-hmm. And died about six days later. But his dying words were, "I should have fought until I was the last man alive." Yeah. He said, "I should never have surrendered."
0: You did it again! Outstanding job, Doctor Ken Turner, better known now all over the globe, in China, Japan, Taiwan, everywhere as Doctor History. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, that, I thought that was interesting. I love stories that are, like I said, directly really uh, accurate as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Dr. Right. History, God bless you, and I want to say thanks. Job well done, and we'll look forward to next Tuesday. Okay. You have a good day, sir. Thank you, sir. You bet. Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner, a great chiropractor in Burley, and he does a fantastic job on the Dr. History segment.